Welcome back to the Christ in Culture. This is Gordon. And this is Clint. And we are currently quarantined, which is why our microphones probably sound a little bit different, because we're not recording in the same room like we prefer to. But when COVID-19 starts knocking, you lock the doors and hide. Yeah. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Lock the doors. Yeah. So we we are locked up, as many of you probably have already experienced. We are on... It's not called lockdown. It's a stay-at-home order, right? I think that's what right. the judge is calling it. So we are essentially trapped in our, in our homes, like many of you guys. So uh, make sure you are, as you've probably heard all day long, every day, practice your social distancing, take care of each other, wash your hands, all that jazz, so we can get back to being outside. And our nurses and doctors can actually go home and be with their family. So all that stuff. Oh, man. What? It's been crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. Well, we were talking the other day about, well, there's a couple homilies, but my pastor actually gave a homily the other day about the origins, the etymology of the word quarantine and like where that comes from. And he was talking about how it's actually comes from the Latin word quarenta, which just means 40, because when sailors used to come into port, they had to spend a quarenta or 40 days on their ship before they could come in to make sure that they weren't infected and stuff. And so I just thought that was kind of cool. And so did he, obviously. That's why I put it in his homily. Because obviously we're in the middle of Lent right now. And us being so isolated and forced to quarantine from each other and, and from the world is forcing us to really dive into Lent in a new way that we'd never actually intended to. But it's it's pretty fitting that quarantine actually comes from this 40-day withdrawal from the rest of the world yeah speaking of being locked inside though since we are still in exodus 90 we're not partaking in binging of things which is probably for the better but what have you been taking in uh, a lot of board games like what playing yahtzee and yahtzee and i also have a lemony snicket like i'm serious unfortunate events board game really yeah I got it when I was a kid, and I probably played it back then, but I don't ever remember it. So we've like pulled it out, and I was like, "Let's play this." I'm sure it's probably really easy. How does it's, it even work? It's one to four players, where one player is Count Olaf. Oh, it's actually two to four players technically. One person is Count Olaf, and then if you have four players, the other three are one of each of the kids. And basically, it's Olaf's job to try to kill the guardian in the house, and if he does so successfully, like he wins. And it's the Baudelaire's job to try to prevent that from happening long enough for mr poe to leave the house go to the bank and come back kind of like a race the clock type thing mr poe he was the worst yeah he really was it's really hard so it's kind of like set up like clue where you're in a house with rooms and stuff and as long as kind of off is in the same room as the guardian he can like do damage if he has a card and there's yeah but it's collaborative except for the one olaf character yeah yeah but when me and Lizzie were playing, she was all of the Baudelaire's, and I was Olaf. Oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yikes, that's on stuff. She won. She made it to the last, like, Poe made it back with the Guardian at one health point life. One HP left. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So do do each of the Guardians have, like, different stats? There's only one Guardian. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, it's just, there's just, like, a tracker on the board, and so, and then... Olaf always does three points of damage, and I think it would take it always takes four attacks to kill him. But the guardian okay. moves rooms every other turn. 
Okay. So like, I'd have I I'm saying I, but Count Olaf would have to like make sure he's going to make it to a room in in a, a turn or less in order to do an attack. And then by the next time, it's going to change rooms, which could be on the other side of the board. So it's not predictable. Okay, that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Anything else other than a uh, bunch of board that, games? Uh, we did. We did. What do we do? We have watched two things. Mostly, it hasn't been like this week. One was like two weeks ago, and one was this week. Two of our favorite comedians dropped new specials. Okay. Those, those are the two few times we've like succumbed and watched something. And so Bert Kreischer, I don't remember what his new special is called. And then Tom Segura, we just watched that one actually yesterday. He's called Ball Hog. Hilarious, really funny comedians, not kid friendly at all. Bert, is like, he the took a trip yes, to Russia? Machine. Machine. I'm the machine. Yeah, I've seen some of his stuff. Definitely not kid friendly, but very very funny nonetheless. Yes, yeah, that's it. I think. Right. Basically, same uh, as far as just almost entirely books. But I actually want to start with there's two artists musicians that i discovered and they're both catholic folk which i've talked on here i love folk music i love like americana and stuff like that but these both have like really really great like catholic lyrics as well so the first one is luke spihar spare s-p-e-h-a-r i'd never heard of him but he's got some really good ones one of my favorite well two of my favorites there's one to saint michael it's just like a prayer to St. Michael, which is really cool because we're doing Exodus 90 right now. And then the other one is just about being still in all the chaos, which is also pretty fitting right now. Mm-hmm. So that's been pretty solid. And then the other one is Ali Aleha, I think is how you say it. And she's got, I think my favorite one with her so far is called Jealous Love. Really, really cool, really fun songs, but also really, really powerful. And it's stuff that we can actually listen to right now. So it's been cool and it's been really fitting. Just like listening to that in, in the chaos of all this quarantine and coronavirus stuff. One podcast, too, that I just remembered you mentioning that, that I mentioned to you the other day, but it's called uh, The Place We Find Ourselves. Yeah. And I just listened to it because they dropped, he dropped a corona episode, or coronavirus episode, I should say. <laughs> I keep saying just corona around Lizzie, and she's like, that's so funny. But everyone knows what we're talking about now. And yeah. like, no, no one's talking about the beer. I'd imagine the beer probably plummeted in stock after oh, that. Oh, yeah. Or skyrocketed from people who thought it'd be funny. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Well, yeah, probably in both. I've seen both videos of people, like, buying it just to, like, make videos of them, like, throwing it out of the house. Right. Then I've also seen pictures of stores where that's the only beer left. Yeah, it's basically just a big joke now, which is never good when <laughs> you're trying to sell product. <laughs> the other thing, as far as music... I've been spending a ton of time at home, obviously. So I was just like, what is something I can listen to that's not going to be super overwhelming or distracting, but can also I can listen to in the background as I'm working from home. So uh, movie soundtracks. I've just been listening to tons of awesome movie soundtracks, just tons of playlists. I'm not going to say like any specific one, but it's just like something good to have on to. I don't know. It's been kind of rainy here the last couple of days. And so just to have something a little bit more uplifting and exciting than working on emails and website stuff from home it, it was it was good to have something like that so and then as far as books i actually just read it a trilogy they're pretty short but i didn't even know it, it well not a trilogy it's a what's four books quadrilogy 
series. Yeah, a four book series. I didn't even realize it was a series until very recently. But the book The Giver, I had read it in like fifth or sixth grade for required reading, and I learned that it was a series. And so I, I've been reading those pretty quickly. They're they're fairly short. I mean, they're designed for for kids. But as I read through them, I realized how much Christianity is in there. And so I read it. Gathering Blue, which is the second one. And this is by Lois Lowry, by the way. All of them are by the same author. Mm -hmm. I didn't take a whole lot of notes on that one. But one that I actually wanted to talk about as part of our topic for today is the third one, which is called Messenger. Um, I was going to ask if you liked the rest of the series. Because I knew about it being a series when we read it in like seventh grade. Mm -hmm. But I never picked it up because my mom read the blue one. And so did Friends, and a few of them moved on from there, but most of them stopped because they just didn't like it as much. Yeah, so one of the things that I noticed, and I noticed this in a lot of the reviews too, is that it doesn't really answer most of the questions that you have about the world. Right. It just gives you new scenarios, and there is overlap. So, spoiler, you can skip 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this. Jonas, the main character from The Giver, comes up in, I think, every... No, not the second one. The third and the fourth ones. Uh, the village that he escaped to at the end of The Giver, mm. he he is now the the leader of that village. And so it comes back. But he's not a main character. Now he's a side character. And so you see different characters, side characters crossing paths. And so all the stories overlap, but not entirely. Like, you could read, read each of them as standalone books. And so they never really answer any of the questions of like, how, what happened to this world to make it so destroyed? And why are they all so isolated and have these weird rules and these weird abilities and stuff like that? It's never answered. That doesn't bother me that much because yeah. I don't think that was the point. You realize more, at least I, I did. Maybe it's just because I'm almost 20 years older than when I read the first book, but I realized more, I think, what she was trying to get at with, like, the specific gifts and abilities that we have and how they're supposed to be used. And I think that really came out in this third book, The Messenger, mm-hmm. and then a little bit in the fourth book as well. Because it seemed to me in The Giver, and maybe this is just me misremembering, that everyone had their specific jobs, but only The Giver and Jonas actually had like special gifts like special powers yeah yeah i think too the giver might have been recommended as a topic i don't know when or by who it could have just been like in conversation but i think someone might have brought that up to me like oh you should do this and i know we're not doing the giver per se but it's kind of interesting because i think someone that listens might have like just recommended that in passing so it wasn't on the 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 to-do list so i'm really bad about putting it there Okay. <laughs> well, I guess we can kind of knock it out a little bit. I didn't take any notes on The Giver, but uh, I got a few things on this series. So, like I said, the book that I really want to focus on the most is the third one, which is called Messenger. Th- there's going to be spo- spoilers throughout this. Sorry, go ahead, Gordon. I was just thinking, it's crazy how it's called The Messenger, and today is the solemnity of the Annunciation. When yeah. God's oh, that's true. To Mary. It's not when it's coming out, but that's when we're recording. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. we're recording ahead of time, guys. <laughs> okay. This word. Yeah. So basically, 
in the second book, which is Gathering Blue, you learn that there's these other villages that are kind of like isolated. And whenever someone is broken from each of these villages, so let's say they literally like break their leg or they're just they lose an eye and they, they go partially blind. They're put out into the wilderness, into the forest to just die. And what we learn is there's this place called Village where these people have basically just come together. It's this group of broken people who have come together and learned to make their own community. And what we find out in Gathering Blue and then in the beginning of Messenger is that this place is perfect. Everything that was wrong with their other communities, they've gotten rid of. Like there's no judgment. There's no like hatred or belittling people. It's like the perfect village for most of the the first part, at least. We'll say that. <laughs> okay. So, and that's where I kind of want to jump in. So it's completely open. They accept everyone, like everyone no matter what their background is, is welcome to come in. People who are abandoned are welcome to come in until a guy called the Trade Master comes in. And so we hear that the Trade Master had been coming sporadically throughout the past couple of years. But as he comes in, things start to change and they notice people have petitioned to shut the borders. They don't want anyone to come in anymore. They start talking about how People aren't as smart as us. They use different languages. They don't understand or they can't read. So they're not welcome to be here. They're not useful to the community. So they shouldn't be here and all this stuff. And it's all this othering and trying to make other people belittled. But Jonas, who is now the leader of Village, points out, we were all like them when we came to this community. We were broken. We needed help. And over time, we adapted. But they're just like, these people break the rules. They they use resources, but they don't help at all, even though they were in that very same situation. What I want to point out is I didn't realize this until today because I actually just finished the fourth book this afternoon. In the fourth book, they actually get a close up of what the trade master looks like and they describe him. And so the fourth book is called Sun. And in that one, they actually describe him as being uh, like slants in his eyes his speech is like a hiss and he holds out like syllables and stuff like that. And he's essentially a corrupter. So very Satan like if you catch my drift there. Like a know. snake. Yeah, exactly. So he's he's serpentine, right? Which is supposed to draw us back to like the fall, obviously. So like I said, the village is surrounded by a forest. And so what they notice is the forest starts to get dark and shadowy and they say it even smelled like death and for the first time ever poisonous plants started to grow in the forest and the food and berries that they used to collect were dying so everything's just starting to rot and so they sent send maddie out who is the main character of this third book he wants to be he wants to be the messenger he wants to be the one that runs from village to village because once you enter village like the village the forest doesn't let you leave you stay there forever and so he was the only one that the forest, for whatever reason, allowed him to go from village to village without stopping him. So we have this idyllic place, which you're not allowed to leave once you're there. And then we have this corruptor, which is starting to corrupt the, the village and everything surrounding it. Any initial thoughts? Not until you just like like recapped everything. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like the Garden of Eve and 
kind of like Eden. Garden of Eden, Eve. Yeah. Eve was in Eden. She no. was there. Yeah, and then the fall, the fall of man through a, a corruptor or a what was it? What was he called? The trade master. Trade master. Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting. Uh, that's really the only ideas I, I'm having right now is just like this idea of this garden or the world created created in God's eyes for everyone and anyone. Later, you see in the Gospels like who's rejected and who's allowed at the table and who's not through the eyes of secular people. But when Jesus comes, he's like, no, it's for everyone, even you know the prostitutes and and the tax collectors. And so it's like this world created for everybody. And then this person comes, Satan, as you will, and says like, let's let's just make it exclusive. Let's not like you're better than them. Yeah, exactly. And like feeding all these lies, and then that spreads like a yeah. virus. Like a virus. Yeah, it, it made me think of the church, right? All are welcome. So obviously they went to the people of Israel first, but then once it was presented to the Israelites, they were able to go to all of the Gentiles, right? And so everyone was welcome, no matter what their status in life or or the social status or whatever. And then through like this temptation of pride, we start to close off. And now we see it's not uncommon for Christians to be the ones who are petitioning for these very same things in our own country, where, I mean, this is pretty much like the immigration thing. You know, it's not unheard of for people to say, well, they don't speak English, so get rid of them, even if they're legal uh, residents here or the poor Mm -hmm. or this person is no longer contributing to society. They're not they're not worth living anymore. They're just using resources. We should get rid of them. So those are things that we hear all the time, even from people who claim to be Christians and Catholics. And so that's very much not the case. Or the same thing at our parish. When someone comes in that looks different or dresses different or maybe can't afford really nice clothes and have, we judge them or even if we don't say anything specific the, the way that we look or act around them is enough to make them not want to come back. So that's kind of some of the stuff that I thought of just in that first part. Yeah. After this, Jonas, we know that he has kind of a special ability from the original. He tells Maddie that, well, there's basically this election and they vote to close the gates of the city and Jonas doesn't have any power. And so he tells Maddie that he needs to go and warn the other villages so that they know not to like keep sending people there when they're trying to escape. And so his job is to go run to as many villages as he can and then get back within the time frame before they close down the city for good or the village. So Jonas tells Maddie not to waste his gift. And so Maddie doesn't really understand what that means. At that point, he he recognizes that he has some kind of special ability, but he doesn't really know what that is yet. But one of the gifts that he does have that he recognizes that he, he, like I said before, is the one that can travel between the villages without being attacked in the forest. As he goes on this trip, he goes to the village of the second book, Gathering Blue, where he's going to go get his best friend, bring her back. And in the process, he discovers how powerful his gift actually is and he starts to get a little bit more understand it a little bit more and he realizes that his gift is to heal people Mm. but it actually drains him in the process without spoiling too much of of the story on his way back with his friend 
they notice that things are getting worse in the forest. And even though he thought he was going to be able to go to different places and warn other villages, the forest is closing itself off and not letting even even him travel through it anymore. It's completely closing off. And things are getting so dark and dangerous that they aren't going to make it back, the two of them. And so when things get too bad and there's literally no hope left, he used his gift to heal the entire forest and the village and to make things good again. And even his pet dog, who died in the process of trying to get back to the, the village, came back to life. And so we see in the process of him healing everything, like I said, he has to expend his own energy to do so. And so he died. Sorry, spoiler alert, a little late there. He died saving everyone else and bringing it back. And then at the end, we see that the village, the church, Garden of Eden, whatever, is restored back to its its good nature. And one of the characters, as they're carrying his body back into the village, said he gave himself willingly for all that he knew and loved. And then as the story's ending, he's like having an out-of-body out experience. And it says that he saw everything from his from his soul outside of his body. And so it talks about, in a way, like this connection between the soul and the body and that being divided at death. And then at the very end, what I wanted to bring up, the, the very last thing about this story, is that when someone became an adult in village, they were given a name, a true name, based off of what they did. So it was like teacher or leader or fisher, whatever. And Maddie wanted so bad to be messenger. The whole book, that's what he's talking about. And as they brought his body back, they finally gave him his true name, which was given healer instead mm. of messenger. So any final thoughts on that? I think most of it's pretty straightforward, but what do yeah, you think? Yeah, it's, you know, he's the Christ figure dying for the restoration of the new Eden, essentially, you know, new life. Uh, for some reason, too, I was, I was just thinking about star wars and like the rise of skywalker and when there's like force healing that's kind of like her new gift yeah and she uses it all the time and then in the end uses it willingly in the midst of like losing her own life uh, mm -hmm. but like laying down that life for the other but what was the quote what they say about him when they carried him back he gave his life willingly for all that he knew and loved right yeah yeah, and that's exactly what Christ did on, on the cross and, and kind of expands this idea of this, you know, this quarantine, these, these latter, what is it, 18, 20 days left of, of Lent, maybe 15 days of Lent. Depends when you're listening to this. Yeah, yeah that's true. And what, what it all is working up to. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is that really small quote where it just said, don't waste your gift. So what he was trying to tell Maddie is like, don't spend too much energy. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to use this when you need it. But that can also be applied to us, too. Like, don't don't waste your gift. You've been given certain gifts. And this becomes even more prevalent in the final book as well called Sun, which actually in Sun, there's kind of a Mary figure, too. There's this girl. They have like artificial insemination. And so she like conceives without a, a father, basically. And then her son is taken away from her. but that's kind of a stretch. But anyways, gifts are made more prevalent. And I think that's a huge focus of this entire series is what are your gifts and are you using them properly or are you wasting them? 
And if you look at each of the stories, the societies are forcing people to use their gifts in certain ways. And they realize that sometimes those gifts are being used properly and sometimes they're being wasted for what is perceived to be the good of the community. I mean, that could even be something we talk about later as a challenge, but like, what are your gifts and how are you using them? Are you using them properly or are you wasting them? Even if it's for perceived good, are you using it for what it's supposed to be used for or what you were created to use that for? Right. Yeah. I was just kind of reading that and I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff in this that I would not have picked up in fifth grade. Yeah, it's a big book. Yeah. So with that, I don't think this next media is actually going to be as big of a jump as I thought based off of our conversation right now. Fantastic. So we had a request a while back. I thought it was from Sarah Matler, but apparently it was from your wife, Lizzie. So that was awkward. But we're going to give both of them a shout out because one of them or both of them suggested it. So shout out, Sarah. Shout out, Lizzie. But the song is called No Roots by Alice Merton. And it's actually a pretty fun song. You've you've heard it, right? Yeah, I have. Okay. So it, it's pretty fun. Alice Merton is just doing some reading about her. And this is good background for this the song as well. She grew up in Germany, but her parents moved a lot. So she lived literally all over the world. England, US, Germany, all over. You can look it up if you want to know exactly where. But the song is No Roots. So as we typically do with songs, we'll kind of just go verse by verse. Maybe we'll do the first two verses because they're back to back. Okay. So it goes like this. I like digging holes and hiding things inside them. When I grow old, I hope I won't forget to find them because I've got memories and travel like gypsies in the night. I build a home and wait for someone to tear it down, then pack it up in boxes, head for the next town running because I've got memories and travel like gypsies in the night. Any initial thoughts from there? Uh, it gives this painted emotion of like restlessness because it's kind of like she's she's on this this story of like she's constantly on the move. She kind of builds a home, which is a place you you know reside in. Cliches of where it's where love is. Uh, we know our ultimate home is supposed to be in heaven, so that kind of thing. But it gets teared torn down, so something either happens or whoever she lives in it with it like destroys it and then she just packs it up and moves on to the next thing as if she expects that to happen so she's like temporary home it's gone and then she even says that which she's like she's moving around like gypsies in the night which means she's kind of doesn't really have this permanent home and i think on a spiritual level that causes this sense of restlessness inside us which can be emotionally draining and tiring yeah yeah for sure and the way she wrote it, I think it was obviously intended to be about how like she grew up without having a set place to live and how she's constantly moving. You see that with the then I pack it up in boxes and head for the next town running. But I think that's exactly right where you're going with it, too, where we kind of feel this sense of like, I don't I don't know where my home is a lot of the times. And that can be taken in a positive light or a negative light. I think if we don't know where our home is, then that's where we feel that restlessness. But if we recognize that like Earth is not our final home, that can actually be a really healthy thing, too. And I was thinking about that with the lyrics from the first verse where it says, I like digging holes and hiding things inside them. When I grow old, I hope I won't forget to find them. This is a reference to squirrels. 
which I thought was kind of funny. I actually looked it up. I was like, is she actually referencing squirrels? But no, she is. Where squirrels will bury nuts for later on and hope that they remember where, where they buried them when they come back and need them after they hibernate or whatever. And it's kind of this thing of just trusting where they they bury this stuff. If they come back, they come back. Great. If not, then nature will provide, right? right. Or for us, like God will provide. Or her willingness in, in both these verses to take whatever it was that she just had and to move like a gypsy in the night, taking nothing with her but the, the memories and not having attachments to any given thing, which I think actually ties back to what we were talking about with the, the quarantine and, and Lent as well, where we're not attached to all these things. And so if they are taken away from us in quarantine because of coronavirus or in Lent, because we're remembering that we're not supposed to be attached to the world, it doesn't bother us because we know that what is promised us is so much greater and it's somewhere else. And that's what we, we keep longing for. I agree. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I concur. Okay, we'll go and do the pre-chorus and chorus. It says, In a thousand times I've seen this road, a thousand times. I've got no roots, but my home was never on the ground. And it basically repeats that. I've got no roots, but my home was never on the ground. I've got no roots, got no roots, got no roots. Blah, 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 repeat, repeat, repeat. Any thoughts on that other than what we've kind of already said? No, I mean, I think it goes back to exactly what you said about realizing and recognizing that our, our final destination isn't here on earth in this dirt of a world yeah yeah i, th- I think the the chorus is is pretty straightforward and i think that's probably why it was recommended as well we'll do verse three and four then again because they're back to back so it says i like standing still but that's just a wishful plan ask me where i come from i'll say a different land but i've got memories and travel like gypsies in the night I count gates and numbers, then play the guessing game. It's just the place that changes. The rest is still the same. But I've got memories and travel like gypsies in the night. Any thoughts on those two? I think the only thing that really stands out with this is that first line. I like standing still, but that's just a wishful plan. And because it seems like what she's having to do, this idea of movement and, and moving on and never really, really having this sense of, of rest here on earth is not the more comfortable option or not the more preferred option she would rather like stay still and not you know probably have like one home and not move on and move but she's like but that's just wishful thinking and if i do that then there's no growth you know we talked about like the lack of movement in in other episodes uh there's no way that i can understand this larger idea that like I have no roots, but my home was, wasn't here anyways. Isn't, right. Isn't here. So that's the only thing that really stands out to me. Yeah. I mean, even in the sec- second line right after that, it says, ask me where I come from and I'll say a different land. And she absolutely has, has no loose roots. She even said in the, the chorus, my home was never on the ground. It was never here. It's somewhere else, implying that it was in the, in the clouds or in the heavens, right? I looked at some notes and interviews that she did on on the song and apparently that's a reference to how she's kind of always scatterbrained and like in the clouds mentally but i think the way that the lyrics are put here also speaks to something more about how we were not meant for for this land we're made for a different kingdom right Mm -hmm. cool 
Uh, and then we have the course again, which is exactly the same. I've got no roots, but my home was never on the ground. And again, that's repeated. And the last part that's actually different is the final bridge. And it sounds very similar to some of the stuff we saw before, but there's only a few words that have changed. So it says, I like digging holes, hiding things inside them. When I grow old, I won't forget to find them. I like digging holes, hiding things inside them. When I grow old, I won't forget to find them. I've got no roots, no roots. And so the really only difference here is she has dug the holes, put things inside of them, but now she is affirming that she won't forget to find them instead of just hoping that she won't forget to find them. Right. Yeah. What do you think? I think, I think with that, that's either this, you know, there's always like different phases of spiritual life. And I think with that one, it's, it's this idea of the sense of peace that she's finally reached with like ones like, okay, I'm just going to put my hope in it and just have faith. Kind of like with when you, what you were saying with the squirrels, you know, having faith that like, I either come back and I can find them or not. And this one's like a sense of peace of like, it's okay. I'm going to find them. I'm not going to lose these things. And that's kind of like very powerful. It usually comes with a sense of presence with, with God, whether it's an adoration or just like prayer or just spiritual growth of, of really having that, that one idea of faith in the beginning and then being on the other side of the, of the story. And it kind of makes me think of like going back to, the messenger how there was on his side of the story in the beginning he's like i want to be called the messenger and if he was if he lived long enough to see the end to know that he had was given a name and it was through this gift he was the healer Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think that's spot on the only thing else that i could think of that that could possibly be talking about is looking at where we come from and so i think in her sense of the song I like digging holes, hiding things inside of them. When I grow old, I won't forget to find them. I think it's kind of like in in her analogy, everywhere she's lived, she's kind of left a part of herself. And it's kind of like digging a hole and leaving something there, like a, a cache, I guess, like a geocache kind of thing. And it's her way of saying, I'm not going to forget where I've come from. And I'm going to remember each and every one of these parts. But ultimately, if, if we ask that question, where did we come from? It draws us back again to God. So just remembering that our origin, we are created from love and for love. And just in this bridge, we're reminded of that, I think, too. Yeah. I think another thing I like about this song, because I know that's kind of essentially it, it goes back into just saying, I got no roots, is where, you know, where we're at right now with all that's going on. And it just seems like for a lot of people, there are normal, normalcy, the things that we had going in day in day out have just been uprooted and we are currently like up uprooted and then from whatever our routine was and now we're thrown into this uncertainty and all these things but with this idea that we're talking about of what where our true home is it kind of like pushes us into how we how we are to respond right now and that is in this time of prayer and in this time of using this isolation like you said in in what the word quarantine actually means to grow closer to god and the understanding of of home yeah going along with that do you have any specific challenges you want to throw in um i mean just that really would be in this time of 
I don't want to say quarantine because for a lot of us, it might not it's be that really different. It's really not. Yeah. yeah. But in this time of whatever is different for you in this time with, with you know, COVID-19 and all that and the message of trying to stay home when you can just to pray a little more and, and on a daily level. And so each day, if you don't pray at all, then I would ask you to pray five, five, ten minutes. If you already pray kind of daily, just add a little more. Or if you usually pray at night, then also pray when you wake up. And like I said, I'm not asking for more than like two to five minutes, but that'd be my challenge just to pray a little more in this time because it's needed. But it's also, I think, oddly, what what's being called into right now. As far as challenges, I would say the one that we mentioned before, so recognize your gift and how you can use that, especially in the context of this virus going around and many of us being in our homes. What does your gift look like now that you're just with your family, probably, or your roommates or whatever? How can you use that gift, maybe even to just focus on your family right now and and the people that you're with? You don't need to go out necessarily. And we were talking about this, I think, yesterday. We have this desire to go out and help people. But in going out and helping people, we're actually putting ourselves and others in danger and possibly even people that we're trying to help. And so is it even beneficial for us to go out in that way to help them unless we're like a nurse or a doctor who can actually do something to help them help them? And so maybe we just come back and we focus on what can we do to help the people immediately around us right now with our gifts? And and that's a question that a lot of us have not asked in a long time. So maybe we can focus on that. And then a completely different gift. um, And I haven't talked to you about this, so hopefully you're okay with it or we can cut it out. If you were considering supporting our show and you haven't done so yet or you want to based off of this episode, whatever, I'm going to ask that you don't do that and in turn take whatever money you would have supported us with and give it to someone that needs it more. So, for example, there's a lot of people, several of our friends included, who have been losing their jobs because of everything going on and business being shut down, stuff like that. So don't forget tithe to your parishes because parishes still need to operate as well support local businesses give money to whatever you would have given to us give to someone who maybe lost their job or maybe you know someone who knows someone who lost their job but support those people instead because they still have families and we don't know how long this is going to last and they're gonna need all the support we can get Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's great that's all i got you have any shout outs uh ethan ethan and that's it Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I already gave mine to yeah. Lizzie and Sarah, so that's that's all I got. Sweet. You want to go and wrap us up? Yeah, otherwise, you guys, thanks for joining us on the show. You guys know where you, you can find us, and if not, we have a website, thechristinculture.com, that can point you in those directions to our social media, Facebook, at The Christ in Culture, Twitter, at On The Adventure 2, and we have you know, YouTube, The Christ in Culture, which... We've been uploading, like, try to get some of our older episodes up there so you can listen there, too. So I've been doing some of that. And if you have any requests or any anything you want to reach out to us in any way, you can do that through the website. And as well as just wherever you listen to us, especially during this time of isolation, uh, we've noticed some people are more people listening to us. If you like what, what we're doing, then give us a rating. Let us know what we can do better, how we're doing with, with four or five stars, just because that helps people find us. And that might be helpful for people in this time to find different types of 
of media references they haven't checked out, um, as well as the Christian themes w within those. And then go ahead. Yeah, and I was just going to say, and sh share us with other people, like, vocally, too. I think a lot of us are giving phone calls right now on social media, stuff like that. So if you can share us with your friends, maybe they're bored because they're sitting at home all the time and they're looking for something to listen to or to do, just share our show with them. And we'd really appreciate that as well. I know, what did we hear? 30,000 new podcasts have been created since their country started to be affected by this. So we know that there's a lot of shows out there. And we just appreciate that you guys have chosen to take the time to, to listen to us and to support us. Yep. Otherwise, thank you guys for joining us this week on this episode. Uh, stay safe. Wash your hands. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.